bless your people. Good morning. have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love. Father, thank you for revealing to us the truth, the truth that sets us free. Oh, Lord, we praise your name. We bless you. Father, we ask that you would receive our worship by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll take a break from the book of Acts. In the last few years, there have been several high-profile Christians, what I would call high-profile Christians, meaning Christians that have had been widely known, even famous for their faith, famous for their teaching, famous for their book ministries, who have had what they would call, or at least I would call, a crisis of faith. And some have walked back and said, these things that I've taught for years, these things that I've believed, I don't believe them anymore. Personally, multiple people in the last six months have talked to me, either describing it themselves as a crisis of faith, or me explaining what they just told me as a crisis of faith. And the crisis of faith is what I have thought when I've heard these famous people and others who've asked me personally. This is my advice to them, and I hope you'll hear it and believe it. Is Jesus alive or not? Because if he's alive, you better figure out this crisis of faith. And if he's not, well, who cares? This is just a game we're playing. It makes no difference whether you fall away from it or not. If he's dead. It is Easter Sunday. And all around the world, people are celebrating the fact that he is not dead. But lives. In fact, ever lives to make intercession for his people. He, quote, always lives to make intercession for his people. Where is he? He's alive in heaven. What's he doing? He's interceding for his people. Is he alive or not? Because this is what's happened. This is the things that have happened to me. Tell me if it sounds familiar to you. They're not questioning whether he's alive. They're questioning certain truths in the scriptures and saying, I just find it hard to believe that God would do such a thing. I can't imagine that God would be that way. Well, brothers and sisters, listen, we don't have to imagine. 
In fact, I would counsel you to not imagine how you think God is, but that you would look in the scriptures and you will know how he is. These same people who have a crisis of faith, they have a crisis because they believe not the scriptures. That's the crisis. They say, oh, I love Jesus, but I just, I I don't know about these other teachings in the Bible. I feel like it's been corrupted over time. Like, well, friend, how do you know that? How How can you show me that the part about Jesus isn't corrupted? Which parts are true to you and which parts are false? And on what basis do you make your decision? And in all cases, here's the basis. Which ones sound good to me, I keep those as true. And the ones that sound bad and that I have very hard time accepting, I feel like those must have been corrupted at some point. And friends, listen. You who believe in the truthfulness of God's word, this is a a slope that is not passable. You will slip and die on this slippery slope that you've just created. There is no way to determine, according to this thought, that certain parts are more true than others. This part about Jesus walking on water... Mm, I'm not so sure about that. People can't walk on water. But the part about Jesus being our Savior, well, I believe that part because it makes me feel good when I think that somebody loves me and wants to save me. This is not sustainable faith. This will cause you to have either very weak faith in which you don't really care Or a crisis of faith as your conscience cries out to you day and night, something is not right. A friend told me recently, I'm fearful in his crisis of faith. And I told him, and I'll tell you now. The testimony of God's work in your life is not an imaginary thing. It's happened. You can testify to it. Other people around you can testify to it. And the fact that Jesus is alive. This is not our truth. I mean, it is so much as it is the truth that we hold to be true. But it's true whether we hold it to be true or not. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, the, the, the work of the church is to preach the truth. To tell the truth. What truth? God loved His people. And there's lots of different truths in the Scripture. And listen, there are better preachers than me, for sure. I wish I was more... Uh, I don't know the word. I'd say charismatic, but not in a Pentecostal sense of the term. But listen, insofar as I teach you the truth, you should praise God for me. I'm teaching you the truth. And as much as Brother Edward preaches the truth, listen, what do you need in your life? What would make your life more fulfilled? You'd have a good, warm, fuzzy inside. Would it, would it be if all the ladies in the church met weekly and 
talked to each other and comforted each other. I think that would be a great thing. But listen, what you need, what I need, is the truth. This is what the church is founded on. The, the preachers in the scripture are encouraged to be ready to make a defense. A defense of what? The truth. This has been the thing from the very beginning. The serpent said, did God really say that? Will that really happen? And they determined, no, it wouldn't really happen. They would go ahead and eat it anyway, despite the warnings. Did God really tell you the truth? He's hiding something from you. You should go ahead and have it. So let me remind you about the truth. I know you believe it, and I hope after being reminded, we'll be even more fixed. I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says, I'm going to remind you what I preached to you and that it's the word that's going to save you. Unless you really didn't believe it, then it won't. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. People want to know what's the most important things of Christianity? The things of first importance. It's spelled out for us. The gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appear, uh, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. They preached. I'm reminding you of it. This is what you heard. This is what you believed. This was the truth. So the truth. This is how you're being saved. If you hold fast to the truth, not not something that's not true. If you hold fast to things that are false, that's not saving faith. Spurgeon said, nothing is more largely promoted the union of the true than a break with the false. (coughs) 
Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8. The true gospel saves. It's important. Paul's about to defend the resurrection in this chapter, which others have denied is even possible. And some of them are not really questioning whether Jesus has been risen, but whether the rest of the people will be risen. We'll get there. But the things that are of first importance is he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. We talked about this just now in Bible study. What was the purpose of Jesus' death? He was the Lamb. He was fulfilling this Old Testament type of the scapegoat. And the sins being placed on the head of it and led away. He was the Passover Lamb. Which caused the destroyer to pass over the believers' homes. In accordance, listen, in accordance with the scriptures, he says. What, what Paul is saying here is, this isn't my idea. I'm not just saying this happened. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. It's been being said for a long time by God's people. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. He died in accordance for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Jonah 1.17 The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You say, huh. Matthew chapter 12, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Is this story about Jonah, is that about Jesus? Is that a type Surely he's dead. He's in the belly of the fish. The stomach acid of the fish. There's no way he could possibly survive in there for three days. Well, he can. If God does a miracle, which he does all the time, even though they're rare to us, it's not normal Right? Parents, children are not miracles. They're, they're lovely, but they're not miracles. They're common, actually. There's 8 billion of them on the earth. But they are a blessing. But in the scriptures, Jesus does a lot, quote, I mean, it seems like a lot, right? A lot of miracles, and it is. Because miracles are very rare. Luke chapter 24, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. This is in accordance with the scriptures, is what Jesus is saying. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Then he says, you are witnesses of these things. He said, I'm not telling you something that you don't know. You saw it too. And you're going to go forth and tell others the truth that I died for your sins in accordance with the scriptures. And who died? The the Christ died. The king died. You remember the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed Jesus said, sometimes people try to say Jesus never claimed to be God or the king. They're wrong. They don't know the truth. Read the scriptures. Pray to God and ask him to let you know the truth. Jesus said, I am And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. The high priest, are you the Christ? Yes. And you're going to be in awe when you see my power. I'll be coming in the clouds of heaven. And we're told this from his birth, right? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, King, Master, a baby. When the shepherds go to see him, when the magi go to see him, they recognize rightly and they worship him. He's the Christ. And he really died. Some try to figure out a way to undo the impossible. Say, well, he didn't really die. He was just really, really bad, in bad shape. When they put him in the tomb, then he was able to kind of, you know, get his second wind and come out of there. Do you see the foolishness of this? Do you think the Romans are not good at their job? of killing people that they want dead. They invented one of the most heinous and torturous ways of uh, uh, condemning criminals in the history of man. And listen, man has a terrible history of killing. Let's flog you until your back is ripped open and then put you on a hard piece of wood. And we'll, I never thought about this until recently, drive nails through your wrists. You know, I had carpal tunnel surgery recently. And the reason why I had it is because my hand was tingling and numb and burning and bothering me all the time. And I didn't have a spike hammered through it, through the medial or median nerve. But when those who were being crucified, both hands would be tingling and burning from that nerve the entire time. 
I, I don't tell you this to, that you will pity Jesus. That's not why I'm telling you. That's not why. They crucified him and he was dead. They know how to kill criminals. They've seen many people be crucified before. They know. He really died. He breathed his last, we are told. The crowds, when they saw what had taken place, this is Luke chapter 23, returned home beating their breasts. Symbolic of grief, repentance. We just saw him die. They had great hopes for Jesus. He was such a good guy. He was, God was with him, you could see. The blind man said, why do you keep questioning me again and again? Do you want to be his disciples too? And they're like, we're just trying to figure out with where he's from. And he's like, are y'all idiots? He healed me. You don't know where he's from? When they return, beating their breasts, Jesus' death shook them up. The disciples, they go hide. They had already fled, right? Only John and Peter even, even followed, you know, Peter follows for a while until he eventually denies Jesus and then he weeps bitterly. But the rest of them had already scattered. Jesus is the leader of their new order. He's been captured, he's been crucified, will be next. They know the terrible things have just happened. They'll probably be coming for us soon. We should hide. So he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, right? Not for his own sins. Romans 4.25 He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And we know he died because he was buried. You don't bury people who are alive. And if they're going to come steal the body, why would they give him such a nice tomb? Right? Joseph of Arimathea takes the body, buries it in a very nice tomb. If they intended to steal it anyway, what's the difference? They didn't steal the body. I think all of them, they still didn't understand what he meant when he said, they're going to crucify me, but I'm going to come back in three days. They, they didn't understand. What you read this morning in Matthew 28, even after, after his resurrection and he's standing before them, some doubted still. It's just very difficult for them to believe. But Jesus had 
told them beforehand that they were going to kill him and he was going to rise. Matthew chapter 20. See, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. Jesus said in advance, this is what's going to happen. They're going to torture me to death. That's what's going to happen. And, quote, he will be raised on the third day. When Jesus took the twelve disciples aside and he told them, he said, this is what's going to happen. They're going to torture me to death. And I'm going to come back on the third day. And the scriptures testify that he did come back. He was resurrected. In the scriptures, there's many places. Matthew 28, 1-6, Mark 16, 2-7, Luke 24, 5-7, John chapter 20, 1-9. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 13, chapter 17, Hebrews 13. The scriptures testify in every instance, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. He did not stay dead. Yes, he died, but he didn't stay dead. And listen, we must understand the the consequences of this. If you're having a crisis of faith, if you're struggling to believe, I like Jesus, but is He really alive? I struggle to see where He is. I can't see Him. If He's not alive, this is Jesus is a false prophet. You understand the consequences of this? Deuteronomy 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. God speaking to Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Meaning rejection of that word is the same as rejecting God directly. It's what Paul's, what God's point is there. I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, very good question, God anticipates what could be a problem, right? If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Jehovah has not spoken? You're telling us about two types, Lord. One who's bringing a message from you, and we better listen, because if we don't, we're in big trouble. And one who's actually not speaking a word from you, and we shouldn't even worry about what he says at all. If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Jehovah has not spoken? This is God's answer. When a prophet speaks in the name of Jehovah... If the word does not come to pass, if the word does not come to pass or come true, listen, this is very easy. 
That is a word that Jehovah has not spoken. When a prophet speaks in the name of Jehovah, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word that Jehovah has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So how do we know? God, we're going to have this problem because we're. it might sound good, but we're not sure which one was from the Lord for sure and which one was just pretending. And he said, it's be real easy to know. If they prophesy and it doesn't come true, then you know I didn't send them. My prophets aren't guessing. I've revealed to them what's going to happen. If what they tell you doesn't happen, I didn't give them the message. I don't give my prophets false messages. So if Jesus prophesies something like his own resurrection, this is a high prophecy, is it not? They're going to torture me to death. I'm coming back in three days. If that doesn't happen, you need not be afraid of Jesus. One, because he's dead and can no longer hurt you. Two, he's a false prophet. He prophesied that he would be led to Jerusalem and they would crucify him. And that that would not be the end of the story. That he would be raised from the dead. If it didn't pass, if it didn't come to pass, what he spoke... Listen, there's not a middle ground on Jesus. I'm not the first to say this. If he's not a prophet, he's not a good teacher. He's a liar or crazy. He actually thought he was going to rise from the dead three days later and didn't. Either way, not a savior. Do you, we don't want that kind of a savior. But if he is raised from the dead, if what he said was true prophecy, and it, and it was, then you know the Lord did send him. And you should obey him. Right? And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Didn't Jesus say this? I'm not speaking whatever I decide to speak. I'm telling you what the Father told me to say. You don't like my words? Well, then you've rejected the Father because He sent me. Don't you remember Deuteronomy? He will require it of you if you don't listen to me. Um, Jesus was not speaking presumptuously. Romans chapter 1, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's not a false prophet. He was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by His resurrection. 
it's the proof. There's so many things that would fall apart without the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, that means the Father did not accept His sacrifice. With His resurrection, He was declared to be the Son of God in power. And after His resurrection, we're told in 1 Corinthians... There's a number of appearances. Listen, this is not a this is not a legend. This the accounts of Jesus are not written in fantasy language. This is not a legend. These are quote what Jesus said, "You are witnesses of these things." These are either eyewitness testimonies, they saw it, or saw him after knowing that he'd been crucified, or they were told by somebody who was there who saw it. What we have in the scriptures is not a fable. It's not designed to teach a moral lesson, even though it didn't actually happen. It's an eyewitness account. This man, Jesus, was crucified. They put him in a tomb. They put a large stone across the tomb. Soldiers were there to guard it. Right? The the leaders, the Jewish leadership, they anticipated a potential issue. They they talked to Pilate. His followers are going to try to steal the body because this guy told everyone he was going to come back. Go guard the tomb, right? Once Monday comes around and he's still in that tomb, we'll be able to know and tell everyone he's a false prophet. Go block it up. Don't let any funny business go on. And they do. A large stone is placed there. Guards are placed there and are on duty. One one commentary talks about this, the resurrection is one of the essential doctrines, essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And he quotes Martin Luther, everything depends on our retaining a firm hold on this doctrine in particular. For if this one totters and no longer counts, all the others will lose their value and validity. Mr. Spurgeon said, If Jesus rose, then this gospel is what it professes to be. If he rose not from the dead, then it is all deceit and delusion. I mean, everything rests on the resurrection. Paul says later that if there's no resurrection and we just have hope, like while we're alive, we, we just go on with this even though we know He's not risen, we should be pitied. I mean, He was declared to be the Son of God with power because of the resurrection. And really,
Ultimately, the sovereignty of Jesus rests on the resurrection, doesn't it? Romans 14, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Sovereign. Even over the dead. I mean, kings have had great power, right? Alexander the Great. It was a large area. He doesn't have power over the dead. They're beyond his reach. Not so Jesus. And our justification certainly rests on it. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Regeneration rests on the resurrection of Jesus. We are told in 1 Peter, we were born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Christ from the dead. Our ultimate resurrection, our resurrection, which is something the Corinthians were starting to reject, or at least doubt. Maybe He rose, but we're not going to rise. We're going to be spirits. We want to be free from these bodies. I don't want to live in this body forever. I don't like who I am. I want to be something different. And the scriptures testify that it'll still be you, just a glorified you. Glorified version. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul Paul says that Jesus, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. We know he was dead. And he was raised from the dead in accordance with the scriptures. And we know he was raised because he appeared. And he gives a list of people that he can testify that Jesus appeared to them. But did Jesus only appear to this list? I mean, you remember Peter ran alongside with John to see the tomb after they were told that Jesus had been risen. Paul says he he was revealed to Cephas. And then the twelve and more than 500 brothers at one time Is this only the men? Was it a large uh, men's conference going on there? What's going on? Where's the women? Where's the kids? There probably were more than 500. This is 500 brothers who saw him at one time. And And he says parenthetically, they're still alive. You can go ask them. He's like, some have died, but most of them are still here. You want, to, you want to check it out and see if I'm lying? Go ask. They're still alive. James, some commentators speculate that this is what brought James around. You know, sometimes Jesus' brothers were, they didn't understand what was going on. Right? They would say, you don't even have time to eat. Come out of there. This is, a, this is crazy. And you remember what Jesus tells him? He's like, don't worry about it. I have food 
I have food. But if he appeared to James's brother, perhaps this has shored up his faith. And Paul says he appeared to the apostles. He appeared to me. Acts chapter 1 says Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. We are told many different things. He had fish with them. He cooked. He's like, touch me. I'm not a ghost. I'm making supper. I'm alive. And since he really is risen, listen, have no crisis of faith. Jesus is alive. He is alive. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Cast your cares upon Him. He cares for you. Don't speculate and wonder about all the people who've ever lived and whether or not God would be just to have them pay for the, penalty, the penalties of their sins even though they never had the opportunity to know about Jesus. Listen, you know about Him. You've heard the Gospel. Let God be sovereign and do what He wants. He's called all men everywhere. Repent. The Kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is risen. He is established in His kingdom. He is sitting on the right hand of God. He was a worthy sacrifice. He was risen from the dead. God accepted it. He really died, but He really is alive now. Would you go to him? Do you believe he's risen? This is why the scriptures testify strongly and say, no one who believes that Jesus is risen is not of faith. You have to be of faith if you believe he's been risen. It is a spiritual gift. Would you go to Him by the grace of God that times of refreshing would come to you? And if you're struggling in your faith, listen, it is part of the Christian life to have ups and downs. Strengthen yourself with the truth. The Bible says if you know the truth, then you'll be set free. No one can threaten you or um, pressure you and say, you know, just, just do what we want and we'll let you go. We're already free, brothers and sisters. What can man do to us? Kill me? Death is coming for me anyway. Our lives are shorter than they were when we got here this morning. It is a certainty. Don't fear man, but fear should you fear Jesus? Yes. 
He was declared to be the Son of God in power. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish. Instead of doubting, be believing. By God's grace, by the Spirit of God that works in us, He is risen. He is risen. And praise be to God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we've had to look at the Scriptures. Father, help us to be grounded in the truth, a firm foundation. Jesus died for our sins, but He is risen. He's paid the price, and He's risen, and He always lives to make intercession for His people. For us, Father, would you be with our faith? We know, Father, that we are weak. And we are prone to wandering and to be led astray. Please protect us. Help us, Lord, as we make defense for the faith. Help us to be truthful witnesses. And bless your people as they continue to worship you all around the world today. Oh, Lord, your kingdom is its like a mustard seed, but it's large now. Thank you for that. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.